0: To Orphan Entertainment, a podcast dedicated to public domain and abandoned media. I'm your host, Christopher, and unless my powers of deduction have failed me, Lydia is here to help me discuss another public domain film.
1: Well, anybody could figure that one out, Watson.
0: It was elementary, my dear. It was Lydia.
1: elementary. Elementary. <laughs> <laughs> elementary, Lydia. No. <laughs> well, hi.
0: Hi, Lydia. Thank you for joining me once again. Always a pleasure to hear your voice.
1: Yes. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs>
0: it's your it's it's the humble uh, it,
1: the humble lydia <laughs> yes.
0: such no, a quality so hard to find it's,
1: <laughs> no of course it's always a pleasure to get to discuss exciting or sometimes less than exciting films with you christopher
0: <laughs> yes and we will get to that in a little bit on this one in particular Before we go any further, we should first thank everyone for tuning in and secondly to let them know that if they have not already, they can listen and subscribe to this show via Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, Spotify. You can go to podchaser.com. I even think we're on iHeartRadio now. Uh, I think there's a few other spots too that I'm blanking on. Pretty much anywhere that you can go and listen to a podcast, I'm pretty sure you can find us there. And if the option is available, please rate and review the show. I invite you to join our Facebook group. Just go to Facebook.com and search for Orphaned Entertainment. And you can also subscribe to our YouTube channel. Again, just search for Orphaned Entertainment. And there you can watch many of the films we've covered here on the podcast. If you'd like to email us with any comments, suggestions, or feedback on this or any episode... Please type or record a message and send it to OrphanedEntertainment at gmail.com. Of course, all of these links are on our webpage at OrphanedEntertainment.com. I do want to remind everyone that we are still looking for an original script for a five-minute mystery for Lydia and I to produce. So, you know, get thinking, get creative, and send that in to us. For a little inspiration... Let's go ahead and listen to one of the original five minute mysteries and a promo for another fine podcast. And when we return, we will discuss the film from 1937, Murder at the Baskervilles. Another five minute mystery.
2: Sheriff, what can I do for you? Seems there's been some excitement out at the X bar dude ranch, one of them dude vacations in Zakoya. Okay, Sheriff, I'll meet you out there in about a half an hour. Right. Well, here's the sheriff now. Hiya, Sheriff. Howdy, Dan. Having good. some trouble out here? Yeah, I reckon it's not going to be any too good for my business either. One of the guests up and got herself killed. Where's the body, Dan? Oh, right in the house here. A fella named Vaughn Calder. That's her husband. It's inside with her. Oh. Hey, it's Hardy, Mr. Calder. It's Sheriff Slade in the corner.
3: How do you do, gentlemen?
2: Hate to bother you like this, Mr. Calder. We'll just have to ask a couple of questions. So right ahead,
3: Sheriff. It, well, I'm rather broken up, but I'll try to be of some help. Vaughn. Vaughn, I just heard. I'm so terribly sorry. But maybe it's for the Oh, I didn't know that. That's all right, no. This is Sheriff Slade in the corner. This is Nora Bradley, gentlemen. Any relation I to know. you, Mr. Calder? Why, no, we're gonna be married, that's all. Yeah, then I reckon you and your wife weren't hitting it off so well. There's no use in my hiding anything. We weren't hitting it off. She'd known about Nora and me for some time now. I'd asked her a dozen times for a divorce. She wouldn't give it to me. But I wouldn't have had anything like this happen. I didn't hate her.
2: How did she die, Miss Calder?
3: She was bitten by a rattlesnake. You can see the little hole in her arm.
2: Will you take a look at the body, coroner?
3: Sure. Go on, Miss Calder. We were out riding this morning. We'd gotten off the horses to rest for a while. I had my back turned to her for a few moments as I tied the horses to a tree. I heard her scream. I turned around, and there was a large rattlesnake a few feet away from her, poised to strike. I saw the fang shoot out from its mouth and plunge into her arm. It was horrible. Then what happened? Well, we were only ten minutes from the ranch. I got her back here as fast as I could. She was dead when I arrived. What's your report, Carter?
2: Everything's as he says, Sheriff. Small puncture in the left forearm accompanied by large swelling of the surrounding tissue. She died a rattlesnake poison, all right. But not by a rattlesnake. I don't get you, Sheriff. You had a murder on your ranch. Von Calder murdered his wife. Have you found the clues that led the sheriff to accuse Von Calder of murder? The solution in a moment, but first... In
0: 1972, American TV networks canceled 12 TV shows for crimes they didn't commit. These shows were promptly forgotten by the public and faded into obscurity. Today, Chris Cooling researches these shows for a podcast. If there's a TV show that no one else remembers... And if you have earbuds, maybe you can listen to Forgotten TV.
2: And now, back to our story.
3: What are you trying to do? The coroner
2: just told you she died of rattlesnake poison. There's no doubt about that, Calder. But it weren't administered by a rattlesnake. You injected poisonous venom into your wife's arm with a hypodermic needle. Then watched her die a slow, painful death. And like most people, you don't know much about snakes, Calder. That evil looking thing that the snake shoots from its mouth is not a fang. That's just the tongue. Every snake has that, poisonous or non poisonous. But the real fangs, and I said fangs plural, are two long teeth in the forward part of the mouth, which are never seen. If she'd been bitten by a real rattler, she'd have two punctures instead of one. <laughs>
0: blaze as it was originally titled Uh, murder at the baskervilles was slapped on it when it was distributed here (laughs) in the states in 1941 Uh, this name change was uh, to capitalize on the success of the basil rathbone led sherlock holmes version of hound of the baskervilles that was just released in 1939 the events in this film take place 20 years after hounds of the baskervilles and finds holmes on a dr watson prescribed vacation holmes is played by author wantner who portrayed the detective in four previous films, three of which of these can still be seen. One, the missing Rembrandt, is considered lost, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Ian Fleming, the actor, not the author, <laughs> is Dr. Watson, and he also is reprising his role from the other films. Holmes and Watson are invited to visit Henry Baskerville in the country to stay for a week or two. As a sign of the continued appreciation for taking care of their hound problem.
1: <laughs> 20 years prior. <laughs> yes,
0: Holmes uncharacteristically unchar- accepts. No sooner do they ride before, the, before they find themselves embroiled in a case of double murder and a missing prize racing horse. And all these machinations are instigated by Holmes's arch nemesis, Professor Moriarty. Now there was not a great deal of of interesting information about either of our two stars, even though they had careers spanning 40 years. So let me uh, give you a little primer on Sherlock Holmes himself. Holmes was created by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, and he first appeared in print in 1887's A Study in Scarlet. The character gained a great deal of popularity when a series of short stories began appearing in the Strand Magazine in 1891. Those stories would continue through 1927, totaling four novels and 56 short stories. Most of the stories are narrated by the character of Holmes' friend and biographer, Dr. John Watson. Dr. Watson often accompanied Holmes on his investigations, and almost all the stories began from Holmes' apartment at 221 B. Baker Street. Conan Doyle repeatedly said that Holmes was inspired by the real-life figure of Joseph Bell, a surgeon at the Royal Infirmary of Edinburgh, whom Conan Doyle met in 1877 and had worked for as a clerk. Like Holmes, Bell was noted for drawing broad conclusions from minute observations. Though not the first fictional detective, Sherlock Holmes may be the best known. By the 1990s, there were already 25,000 stage adaptations, films, television productions, and publications featuring the detective. And that's only grown since then. We've had, what, uh,
1: <laughs>
0: Robert Donner Jr., Robert Downey Jr., and Benedict Cumberbatch mm-hmm. take on the mantle of Sherlock Holmes in films and television. The Guinness. World Records lists him as the most portrayed literary human character in film and television history.
1: Wow. Even over Mickey Mouse. That's impressive.
0: Well, human character. Well,
1: oh, okay, my bad. Yeah. That's, <laughs> I guess that is a key point there Mickey Mouse, human.
0: Yep, sorry. <clears throat> human like, perhaps. Yeah. <laughs> now, Holmes, have you read much Sherlock Holmes? I remember reading some of the Sherlock Holmes stuff when I was pretty young, like uh, maybe a young to late teen. I remember kind of getting into a little bit
1: of it. I was a voracious reader as a young human non-adult, and um, Sherlock Holmes was one of my favorites. So I had a a bit of time, I think, around the age of 12 to 15, where I read everything I could find that was Holmes-related. And I specifically remember the adrenaline of reading Hound of the Baskervilles and you know the it, there was we had these um, pocket classics little they were graphic novels about 30 pages long and that was one of them and I read that over and over and it had the imagery of the hound you know bounding across the um The Moors The Moors and and (laughs) like oh it's just you know oh just literally I was thinking about it like yesterday I think and the chills just running up and down my spine thinking about reading that as a kid oh it's just yeah oh you just uh, sorry (laughs) I know there are a bunch of our listeners that are like yeah yeah you know And there's some of them that are like okay weirdo but (laughs) he's just phenomenal to read and then the little details I mean he like, like Arthur Conan Doyle was like pre-Michael Crichton really good at details Mm -hmm. and so all the little things that you don't pick out they're there in the story early on And, and Holmes will ask a question and it seems completely unrelated in this one, I actually went back and revisited the the short story, Silver Blaze, and when he meets the wife of one of the characters, he says, Didn't I meet you at, at some other place? You were wearing an ostrich feather and this kind of gown. And she says, I've never owned anything like that in my life. And you're like, oh, that's weird that Holmes wouldn't recognize somebody. But, of course, later on it ties in. Oh, mm. she's not the kind of woman that buys expensive clothes. And that's just, you know, the, the kind of thing is you're reading through. You get all of these little details and you miss them. So you have to go back and read it a second time so you know, where did he get that from? It, they're never – it's never – deus ex machina with Holmes, and that's the best part about him, is you're never reading along, and then they just, oh, this is something that never was mentioned before. It's always mentioned right. somewhere in the story. Yeah. So, it's
0: not a, a case of, oh, well, what you didn't see is while I was walking yes. here. I picked up this important <laughs> clue from the floor exactly. before anyone saw it, 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 now I'm revealing it hey, to Hey, look, you. it's
1: in yeah. my pocket, but you don't know where it came from. No. You right. always see him picking it up. It's so genius. So, yeah, obviously, uh, I think the, the answer to that is yes, I read a little
0: bit of it excellent All right.
1: <laughs> I'm glad
0: I'm, no I'm, that's awesome because you're definitely much more well versed than I like I said, I was just um I was really kind of in my mystery phase, I guess mm-hmm. I was reading young adult mysteries, and I think yes. this was my okay, I need to start reading try to get literature like, <laughs> tried to get into more uh you know a- adult mysteries mm-hmm. and so yeah, obviously Sherlock Holmes is one of the go go to's mm-hmm. um and I think Hound of the Baskervilles, I think is probably. I'm gonna say that's that is probably everyone's entry into Sherlock Holmes for some reason. It's that's the
1: most famous, and one of the reasons is, I, I my opinion. Oh gosh, this is like a whole rabbit trail. I, I'm gonna try and keep this short. My opinion is there's not a lot of uh, supernatural dabbling where Sherlock Holmes is concerned. Right, and when you have what is this essentially a ghost story? It's just. It's just one of the best written stories. Mm -hmm. There's just so much to it, and you can't guess the ending. I
0: think that's probably why I chose it to be kind of like one of my first mm -hmm. home stories, is because it had that supernatural edge, Mm -hmm. or it it certainly sounded like
1: it. Well, and it's got a dog in it. Who doesn't love dogs? Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, and I'm a
0: dog person. Yeah.
1: Yeah. (laughs) So I um, I think a lot of people do come into it from that, but also I... I suspect I don't have any data to back this up. I suspect it's the most produced story, as well as I believe it was listed by Doyle as one of his favorites. Oh, so good. Yeah, nice. people come back and revisit it because it's very well written, and because he said he liked it. Right. I think I have.
0: I think I have a big um, collection upstairs of Sherlock Holmes. I may have all his works, or Conan Doyle, excuse me.
1: Yeah, it's worth um, reading them.
0: Yeah, it's something I will I definitely need to uh, maybe, you know, crack the spine of it, cuz it's probably not been cracked in many many years. i so.
1: mm-hmm. I'm looking this up. Sorry. Uh there is a list. I read this earlier of his favorite of Arthur Do- Conan Doyle's favorite 19 stories, home stories that he wrote. No. He uh so let's see his favorites include... Oh, I was wrong. A Speckled Band, which is also a really well-known one. The Red-Headed League. Venture of the Dancing mm. Men. Great one. Final Problem. A Scandal of Bohemia. It is not listed. Oh, oh my. Wow. So I was completely wrong. Um, that, so that's interesting. I so I think I need to correct myself. So it wasn't listed as one of his favorite top 19 stories. Maybe it's his
0: 20th favorite.
1: There you go. It's <laughs> his 20th. But I, I think it is... The, the characters in it just appeal to people and, and the mystery itself is impossible to figure out until you know the end and then you can go back and reread it and go, ah.
0: So. I like how the character Sherlock Holmes took on this, uh, his popularity just exceeded, I mean, he's probably one of the first one of the early kind of like pop culture references, where it's kind of like yes. a household name. Yes. Where even if you didn't read the stories, you knew who Sherlock Holmes was.
1: There's a movie, and, and that's
0: that. That's still the case today. You, it is. You could have never seen a Sherlock Holmes film. You could have never read a Sherlock Holmes story, but you,
1: you probably know the name. said.
0: Elementary, my dear Watson. exactly you know? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Well, and we probably should talk about some of the other adaptations, the other uh, the other actors who've portrayed him, and so on. but I think we should talk about this story first, and then maybe sure. get into that at the end.
0: Okay, yep, that sounds good. So we have Arthur Waantner here playing Sherlock Holmes, and as I was saying, this is the uh, fifth time he played the and, and last time that he played the character. And uh yeah he kind of intrigues me enough so that I kind of want to go back and try to find the other the three remaining stories mm-hmm. and, or or films and and see them as well. I I liked him as Holmes in this one. I I liked the portrayal of Holmes and it's something that I like that I don't care for so much with some of the modern Holmes. I don't know how much Again, I don't remember the books as well as you might, and you can you can help me out on this. Mm-hmm. Certainly with the Benedict Cumberbatch and I haven't seen the Robert Downey Jr. films.
1: Really the, like, okay.
0: Yeah, but with the Benedict Cumberbatch, I mean, he's like um how how to, how to put this? He he almost can't function in normal
1: society. <laughs> he's he's got like Asperger's. <laughs> yeah, thank you. yeah, exactly. He's uh, he's this got this he's autistic still, or something? Yeah. yeah
0: this Holmes, <laughs> as he's portrayed here is still he he's a friendly individual. He he's actually mm-hmm. you know, very animated. He's very cordial. He's you know you can have a conversation with him. Mm-hmm. Um, although sometimes I. You know, as with any homes, of when he's constantly going, oh, well, I see you walked on the left yeah. side of the street because of the dirt. And you're like, yeah, whatever. Just <laughs> stop it, you know, ass.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, and it's funny. That's such a key point in all of the Holmes stories. Um, A a lot of, it was interesting going back and rereading this particular one, a lot of the details in the stories he gleans out of newspaper articles. Mm -hmm. And so you'll have this long section of exposition where he's saying, oh, so here's what happened as I read it in all of the newspaper articles. Well, bear in mind, Holmes was created in the 1800s. There was no TV. There was no radio. If you were listening to music, you were listening either live music or on a phonograph. And you didn't get news stories and snippets they didn't even have those little you know the daily world news before black and white films in the theaters this was all everything was done by the newspaper and you would have two or three or even four issues of the newspaper released in a day and especially if there was something really big going on they'd release special editions and so holmes could literally sit in his in his wingback chair at 221B and just get another newspaper and read everything that was going on and then an hour later get the next one and see what had happened that was developed that was newly developed and while we would look at that and say he just sat around and read the news and figured all this stuff out I, that was what a very a modern Victorian man would have a gentleman would have been doing so mm-hmm. it it seems a little weird and it seems very strange in this 1937 setting where you've got Holmes that is here, sitting here, you know, they actually skip all of that. Uh, they Instead of having him sitting there reading the newspaper, which is how the story itself opens up, he's like, hey, I got a telegram. Let's go visit my friend.
2: I hope you've decided to take that holiday I prescribed. Well, at 9 o'clock this morning, I was distinctly averse to the idea. But I've received a letter from an old friend of ours, which inclines me to change my mind. I'm delighted to hear it. Who's it from? Mm. My dear fellow Ridge. My dear Holmes, I'm sending you and the doctor yet another invitation to visit me here. Believe it or not, it's 20 years since you disposed of the Hound of the Baskerville store. Oh. Yes, Can you believe that, Watson? Mm. Seems impossible to me. My daughter, Diana, is anxious to make your acquaintance. I know you hate the country just as I hate London. But stretch a point and come down for a week or two with Watson. Yours ever, Henry Best.
1: And so you, you get a completely different mode of opera. So you actually, there's quite a lot of difference in this story than there is in the written story because they've modernized it.
0: Right. Oh, interesting. Okay.
1: And it was interesting watching it at first. I was like, oh, good, Sherlock Holmes. I got really excited thinking Basil Rathbone and, and you know, the deer hunter cap and all of that. And it opens up and he's just wearing a 1930s suit. And I was like, oh. <laughs> but it it reminded me, or rather it made me realize that Sherlock Holmes has been modernized since it since he was written mm-hmm. in the Victorian era. He was Victorian in the nineteen thirties he was a nineteen thirties gentleman in the nineteen sixties he was in he was from the sixties, and you know as it's come up through time, actually interestingly, the Robert Downey jr movies are the first ones. That didn't. Well, that's not true. There's one other one that didn't modernize it, but every other release of Sherlock Holmes that I can think of has modernized him. Right. And so, yeah,
0: that's right. Robert Downey Jr. is kind of a period
1: piece. So. It is. It's very period piece. Um, there's one other, and we'll talk about that one in a little bit. I think because it is hands down my favorite. Okay. <laughs> um, but yes, his character in this one is different. He's not. He is actually a very quintessential 1930s man which right. he uh, he's just modernized mm-hmm. and every every uh what's the word of it every iteration of him since has been modernized if not in fashion <laughs> and setting at least in personality Right. So it is interesting. He's a very laid back, intelligent. He's not, there are no quirks to this Holmes because in the 1930s that would have been, that would have alienated people.
0: I think when, you know, in certain, definitely in some of the more modern um, interpretations of the character, like when you get up to the Benedict Cumberbatch with Sherlock, they tried to give him an excuse for being as detail orientated as Mm -hmm. he is they try to give him an excuse for being as intelligent as he is Mm -hmm. and so they do this sort of like high functioning sociopath kind of thing or whatever
1: (laughs) but he has to be like that or else the stories don't work he has to be able to notice a ridiculous amount of detail that the average person wouldn't notice or
0: but i i don't agree that you have that you can how do i put this
1: you don't, don't have to make him unusual to make him that Yes, you
0: don't have to make them, make him somebody that you won, wouldn't not want to be in the room.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's. I think that's fair.
0: I mean, I've watched some of Sherlock, and it's like, wow, this is really interesting. This is really great writing. I'm, I'm and really he's a suck, total jerk. And,
1: yeah, but he is a
0: complete ass. He yeah, is. exactly.
1: And I think they, you know, like I said, they modernize the personality. The Robert Downey Jr. ones are... Um, ostensibly set in Victorian England. However, the character personalities are not Victorian. Per- they're not Victorian in the way that they compose, uh, they comport themselves. Mm. They're very modern, and language, of course, is a bit modernized. But um, the the way that the people act from place to place of course his his extreme knowledge of of fighting styles and his ability to (laughs) predict people his ability to tell from listening to a person that they're limping a little bit are all i mean it's essentially he is iron man or he is superman or captain america (laughs) but just wearing you know holmes's clothes right um but but in the original in the original writings, he is incredibly intelligent. But he's intelligent in the way that he is able to assimilate facts to mm-hmm. create theories that he then goes and tests. And you are right; that is what this Holmes does.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: He, you know, he is looking around at the details, and he, as he learns more, he goes, "Oh, okay." And then he tests his theory, and then if that works out, then he tests his next theory, and that is what you see in the original Holmes.
0: Right, okay But yes, but this gentleman Portrays him in a way that He still just seems like He's the A ordinary. normal person
1: <laughs> Yeah,
0: a normal person right. which Holmes, exactly.
1: Yeah, which Holmes is you? Mm-hmm. You would have alienated A large portion of the population In Victorian times And in this movie as well If you had made him A, a very unusual person Exactly
0: so yeah, that is something I definitely appreciated uh, in this film, and and, and I guess in the, I'm trying to think how many other homes based films I've seen prior to this, probably not as many as I kind of would like. Um, I've seen The Hound of the Baskervilles that you know I, I had mentioned in the uh, mm-hmm. in the introduction with the Basil Rathbone. I remember watching. I'm sure I've seen that several times. Because mm-hmm. um, I, again, I mean, how do you escape that? It's one? beautiful. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> absolutely. <laughs>
0: But I'm not sure because Basil Rathbone portrayed him multiple times, did he not?
1: He did, um, most famously, of course, for The Hound of the Baskervilles. But so much of what made him so popular was he looks like Holmes is described, and -hmm. then, of course, he's just a phenomenal actor. We all know, we all know about my. You know, crush on Basil Rathbone. So, <laughs> well, I won't revisit that if I can avoid it. Um, but he—he he is one that is, I think, keeps very true to the character. This I didn't actually care for Arthur Warner as Sherlock Holmes, okay, because I found him a little boring. Mm. Um, I—I he—he <laughs> didn't engage at me as a person it, he, yes he was able to you know explain all the details but they didn't make him interesting as an individual i thought right. watson is a little bit more individual he's a little bit more engaging um hmm. and it's sort of like you've heard me talk about doctor who and the companion watson is the human companion for Sherlock right. Holmes. oh yeah sure He's the one that has to be there so that Sherlock Holmes can explain how he came to all of these conclusions. You have to have him or the premise doesn't work. It's just a guy saying, "Oh, this is who did it," and then walking out the door. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and and Ian Fleming was was fine. He was he was a good Watson. He wasn't an exceptional Watson to me.
0: No, he didn't have a whole heck of a lot to do. um, And that's actually a problem, I think, with the Watson character. When you have someone like Holmes, like you said, he has to be that one that Holmes explains everything to. Mm -hmm. But by doing that, you kind of make this guy that's supposed to be a doctor of medicine, you kind of make him look like an imbecile at
1: times mm-hmm. i think that's one thing that we. i know we're not here to talk about sherlock that is one thing that they do very well in the modern one is they make him not stupid right. uh, they make him very very human which makes him much more endearing even that i think it, it's sort of backwards they they switch it around so that in the modern retelling watson is very interesting and you, you really have an affinity for him and holmes is kind of this strange person that you're like you're weird, you know, as opposed to a really intelligent doctor that can't understand some basic things. In the stories, Holmes relies on Watson quite a lot to confirm what he thinks is true about medical parts of the cases. So he right. does serve an additional purpose. Um, but I'm trying to recall.
0: Well, I think he uses him more as, as a sounding board, too, doesn't he? I he mean, does. It's a little bit more of, that. you were saying that Holmes likes to, you know, Okay, he'll put put out a theory, and you see if Watson can put any chinks in it. Yes, you know, do you, do you see yes. any flaws in this theory? So he yeah. uses them as kind of a sounding board and trying to get his opinion and whatever.
1: Right, it, and that doesn't that,
0: come across as well in this film.
1: And and it, and it does not. If for and from for that matter, from that perspective, Nigel Bruce Doctor Watson, who is Basil Rathbone's Watson. He comes across as kind of an idiot, <laughs> and yeah. it's he doesn't he doesn't portray Watson very well either. Um, the and this is a great time to talk about my favorite sherlock holmes and that is of course the sherlock holmes played by michael kane uh or oh, I rather know. i
0: know i've not seen
1: michael kane supporting ben kingsley as watson in without a clue if you have not seen without a not. clue and i'm talking to all my listeners it is not out of copyright we will not cover it on this podcast it is in my opinion the best sherlock holmes movie ever made so, and that's saying a lot because I love Basil Rathbone. <laughs> but if you're uh, if you have seen all the Holmes stuff and you're you know you know Holmes up and down and you enjoy the books, this is the twist that you won't look for. Do not read a summary before you watch it. Just watch it and enjoy it.
0: <laughs> no, this from 1988 without a clue. it is
1: from 1988 and it has uh, Lisette Anthony in it who you'll remember from Curl the Warrior King and some other movies. (laughs) Beautiful, beautiful woman. Ben Kingsley plays Watson and Michael Caine plays Holmes and it is hilarious. Also my favorite, Lestrade. Uh, And I think what what makes them all my favorites is that this version of the Sherlock Holmes story is so genius. I'm going to stop there. Um, But I have a tendency to compare watson's especially but also Holmes's. is it's such a twist on it's such a it's such a confusion a confusing state i have and, and moriarty's as well if the moriarty isn't incredibly intelligent and very very devious and evil as this moriarty is not yes. then i find them disappointing
0: yes yes i was going to mention this moriarty <laughs> was not a good moriarty this is the moriarty this is like like bargain basement moriarty <laughs> <laughs> he
1: he uh, he reminds me so much of another actor of the era whose name i can't think of also a bit portly white hair was in a lot of stuff but he's more of a kind of this other actor is more of a kind of rich mean grant oh the the uh, potter in it's a wonderful life okay mr potter and, and somebody's yelling oh, it right gotcha. now going yeah. it's so and so i don't know
0: his name but i that's exactly yeah no very much like that kind of Nope. Yep.
1: <laughs> obviously i have to be looking it up um lionel barrymore is the same oh, okay <laughs> and yes, and oh, li- yes. But that's lionel- exactly who might remind- think. Yes, you. but lionel barrymore would have been such a better one <laughs> yes
0: but you you're right i was trying to think of who this guy reminded me of mm-hmm. i know we've seen we've seen some films with lionel barrymore in mm-hmm. it and like ah uh, yeah that's exactly who now, now that you say his name yes
1: mm-hmm. no and i'm not saying um that that lynn harding lynn harding i'm not saying yes. that lynn harding is not a good actor i am just saying he's not a good moriarty uh so you have kind of here you've got yet another not great person cast as a character, an iconic character, Mm -hmm. that is the only person that can match wits with Sherlock Holmes, who is the best-known detective.
0: Moriarty is supposed to be an equal to Holmes. Yes. And this guy, in this film, this Moriarty was just one step away, well, he was one mustache away from mustache twirling.
1: (laughs) Well, and (laughs) and this leads back into the original story. The original story did not have Professor Moriarty in it. In the
0: original well, yeah story. I think that was I think that was probably a case of oh, we're making a Holmes movie, we gotta We have, have to Moriarty. put
1: Moriarty in right. it, right. But it, it at a point in the movie I think Holmes says, Isn't this a little bit beneath you? <laughs> yes. And so even Moriarty yeah, it is.
2: says it is. <laughs> it it is. So to cut a long story short, if Silver Blaze wins the cup, I go out of business. I see. And you wish me to arrange that Silverblaze does not come under starter's orders. Is that it? Exactly. Hmm. I must confess that this is a somewhat unusual experience, even for me. I've had some little association with the turf, really as a form of recreation. And I have found in general that bookmakers are an honorable body of men. See here, Professor, I haven't come here... Sit down! I presume you are aware that what you are asking is out of my usual line of business. I thought you were prepared to take on anything for a consideration. Quite. Depends on the size of the consideration. Well, I've told you what I stand to lose. What's your price? Ten thousand pounds. Pretty steep, isn't it? It's not my custom to argue about these matters, Mr. Stanford. Take it, I'll leave it.
1: Yeah, Well, and for him to, like, it, you never, an interesting point about Moriarty in the stories is he is never in it just for the money. Ever. Mm-hmm. And in this one, that's his only reason for being involved in this is just for the ten thousand pounds. Yeah, he he was
0: almost like a, uh, a, one of like a a movie serial villain. I mean, he was even in like he had his little lair that was in the disused you know subway station. No
1: purpose to it at all. No,
0: but except that they could they they could figure out a way to put in the uh, the the elevator with the 80 foot drop.
1: drop. (laughs) And and so it was. I think it was misplaced. I I think that the writing was it, it. It struggled because on its own, Silver Blaze as a short story, it's it's very good to read. It's very interesting, and in, especially if you enjoy uh, if you enjoy mysteries and you like to read it and try and figure out what's going on, it's it's a good read. If you are looking for an evil nemesis that can match wits with Sherlock Holmes, you're going to be extremely disappointed because he's not even in the story. In fact, neither is Henry Baskerville. Neither is Baskerville Hall. No Baskerville is harmed in the making of this short story. <laughs> there are no Baskervilles in it. It's actually set in Dartmoor. Um, it's set in a place called King's Piland, and Lestrade is not involved in it either the the police officer because there's always a police officer involved mm-hmm. and an inspector involved in the story it's a gentleman named gregory not lestrade and he is unlike lestrade he well he's remarked upon by holmes as being a very good investigator and so this whole story is actually extremely tidy And it's actually a bit of an achievement that they made it into a movie at all because it's not easy to make this story into a movie. And they had to adapt it significantly to even come up with a script.
0: Yeah, apparently. Yeah, I I mean, the film opens, it's actually the, um, it's called, you find it down, to download it, you, you find it is... Uh, Murder at the Baskervilles, but then the very first title card that comes up is Silver Blaze. The name of the horse.
3: Yeah.
0: (laughs) But I had no idea that there was absolutely no connection to any of the previous adventures Mm -hmm. uh, in the original story, and Mm -hmm. they managed to weave that in. That's all created by the writers of the film. Mm -hmm.
1: And they had to, without those additional details. Literally, it would have started with him taking a train out, doing a quick inspection of the site, and then going and watching a race. And it would be over. And that's just, there's not enough for a movie in that. That's a, that's a serial film,
0: not an actual movie. It's amazing. I mean, there is, am I not wrong that there are some stories where Holmes never leaves, uh, 21B.
1: I believe you're correct. I don't remember he with clarity. He figures everything at this
0: point. out just by, <laughs> just yeah, by like being you said there. <laughs> what what he's read in the papers and what people tell him.
1: Well, and and that is one point with Sherlock with the new one where you know they've got a scene where Watson is reading through. What about this one? What about this one and he's like, "Oh the butler did it. Oh she ran off with her lover." You know, and it's like <laughs> most things even in the in this story in Silver Blaze, in the short story, he says, "Well, I wasted two days because I figured the horse would just turn up." I mean obviously I'm paraphrasing but he but yes Holmes's inclination is to he's he, he is a wing He's a wingback chair jockey. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he likes to sit in his chair, read newspaper articles, and figure out what happened. I'm sure it'll work itself out. <laughs> yeah. Well, and in this particular case, uh, the horse is just missing. They'll find it eventually. And then mm-hmm. when it doesn't turn up two days later, he's like, "Ah, eh, I guess I'll go out and take a look. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you want to go with me, Watson? Let's go out to the country. <laughs> 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 So to make this into a movie, they they it's so funny the whole uh, so Lestrade is played by John Turnbull who is portrayed as just he's a, he's a he's a a ball on the end of a stick I think is what they use for CG nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> it's like oh look at the ball and pretend you're talking to a dragon. That's what Lestrade is in this one. Uh, unfortunately, there's nothing remarkable about him.
0: Oh yeah, and to actually in kind of really shoehorn him into this story they have him. oh I'm they I'm retiring and I'm you know retiring to the country I'm going to, going to be a police constable out in the country and <laughs> oh wouldn't oh we're going to be going out that way maybe we'll bump into you like oh gee do you think
1: <laughs> you think <laughs> and really they did They they just included Moriarty and Lestrade and the Baskervilles just to have familiar names to kind of lead yeah, people yeah. into coming into the movie. And all oh, yeah, of it they
0: were looking to get butts in the seat. Exactly.
1: Yeah. exactly. That's the, from the title to the actors to everything else. My favorite part of this movie, I think, is the very, very beginning, which is an extremely poignant anti smoking campaign.
0: And <laughs> did notice that.
1: And so, you know, they, they, uh, Watson walks in and is like, oh, smoking is awful. And, of course, Mrs. Hudson, oh, the smoking is awful. Well, I looked it up. Of course I looked it up. <laughs> 1930, you, um, the U.K. had the highest lung cancer rate in the world.
0: Wow. People were
1: dying from lung cancer at an unprecedented rate. Well, in 1930, Germany did a study that correlated smoking to lung cancer. And so in 1930, it became kind of widely, more widely accepted that lung cancer is caused by smoking. And in 1935, or 1933, I'm sorry, it became illegal to sell uh, tobacco to children under the age of 16. 16, by the way. And so this movie is made in 1937 in Britain, which is dealing with the worst possible outbreak of lung cancer not outbreak but you know what i mean and so they it's like they ha- you can't have homes without a pipe Mm-hmm. But you can't have a pipe in Britain in 1930s so, <laughs> because people are dying from it. So there I is – I think
0: that's so interesting it that is they come to that conclusion. They have that. And then I'm thinking, well, it's 20 years later here in the States and, and they're and you know, R.J. Reynolds or whatever are still trying to tell you that cigarettes are good for you.
1: Yes. It's, it's completely <laughs> organic. Everything yeah. organic is good for you. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it, it was interesting. I – I had to look it up because it was so pointed that I was like, there's something mm. weird going on with this. And sure enough, that's the history. So now you guys know why it's evil that Sherlock Holmes is smoking in this. And ironically, he continues smoking and has a cigar later on. Oh,
0: everybody, everybody has a cigar. <laughs> it's a bad for you. Well, it was actually something I, in uh, doing a little bit of research on Holmes and everything, they're just pointing out that, um, they mentioned uh, in the stories Holmes occasionally uses heroin or cocaine.
1: Oh yes, opium.
0: Oh, opium, and then um, Cause they bored. also mentioned the uh, <laughs> the smoking, and that while apparently Watson didn't consider smoking one of Holmes's vices, he would often complain about the atmosphere. In the room because mm. of Holmes' constant puffing on the pipe or cigar <laughs> or something. So that goes back into the early 1900, late 1800, early 1900
3: stories.
1: Mm. Um, so let's see. So other characters that we encounter are, of course, Sir Henry Baskerville. Um, gosh, I, 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 I know the. Again, the purpose of this is not to compare it with the Basil Rathbone one or the Michael Caine one or or or, but. Henry Baskerville in the uh the Basil Rathbone version is played by Richard Green. If you haven't seen The Desert Hawk, which I don't know where you'd find a copy of it, if you have a copy of it, please get in contact with us and let me know. I am desperate for a copy. I, we had it on tape when I was a child. Um, and so Richard Green became one of my favorite just oh, heartthrob actors. <laughs> um, but in this, it is played by Lawrence Grossmith. And I know nothing about him; he doesn't seem to have done very much,
0: hmm.
1: and he's fine,
0: yeah <laughs> you know, it was it just me or through this story, all the other like peripheral characters you know the Baskervilles, the strakers um uh, all these other characters did you sometimes have like, wait, who are we talking
1: who who's this I had several times, even where Lestrade would be in the room, and I got confused about who he was, yeah, and that's pretty bad. If mm-hmm. you're, uh, Lestrade is played by Jeffrey Jones. if you don't, uh, Everybody knows who Jeffrey Jones is. If you don't know his name, you've seen him in something and you'll oh, know the minute uh, you see his face.
0: You're, you're, you're back in the 1988 film?
1: Yes. Yeah. Uh, and, and he is an absolute doofus in that film, but at least he has a personality. This Lestrade is so... Uh, he's He is a ball on a stick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and unfortunately most of the other people are Uh, Judy Gunn plays Diana Baskerville Sir Henry's daughter who they brought into the film For the purpose of having somebody under the age of 40
0: Yeah and And, apparently Whose only skill is really to sit on things
1: (laughs) She's cute I'll give she's her very that. cute. I do I, I,
0: I just got a kick out of it. Every time she's got she's she's always like, you know, sprawled across a, a, a table I, or I gotta uh, admit
1: know. though, I, I can empathize with that. So <laughs> I'm right there with her. If I can find something to sit on, I will. But um she but her only purpose is to act as a person to be engaged to somebody that may be a suspect. Right. But only for about thirty seconds.
0: Yeah, that doesn't last very long. No, it
1: really doesn't. <laughs> and of course, he's not in the main, in this written story either.
0: No, no, I'm sure there's a lot of people
1: apparently. Pretty much, appa- almost other than Holmes everybody. and
0: Watson, there is. There are no about else's.
1: five or six people in the original story. <laughs> and there are about 13 in this.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so many of the other uh, characters, though, just sort of blend from one to the other mm-hmm. to the, where the point is, like, I'm. I'm not. Oh, wait, are you the bad guy?
2: <laughs> Did you? Well, steal no, the because the, the other guy.
1: <laughs> I... You're not the guy that looks like Lionel Barrymore, so you're not the bad guy. Okay.
2: Right. Right. But
1: there is the the, the thin. The, the Tim Curry and Annie mustache. <laughs> the guy with the, the same mustache as Tim Curry has in Annie. Oh. And <laughs> and he is definitely the bad guy, because he looks like the bad guy. And everybody else can come and go on the screen, but the minute he pops up, you know he's the bad guy, because he's got that thin little mustache.
0: Was he Moriarty's thug? Yes, Moriarty's yeah.
1: thug, whose name was?
0: I have no idea. Me neither. Yeah, exactly. I think
1: it was Moran. Uh, okay. But then that doesn't look right because he's cast. The cast name is Colonel Sebastian Moran, and that doesn't seem right at all. But I felt like it was a, an M name because Moriarty Moran. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Nope. I have no idea. Like I said, everyone just sort of blends together. They just existed on the screen. Yeah. So they,
1: yeah. They they moved homes from one location to another, and mm-hmm. other than that, they were basically completely unimportant.
0: I guess in the end this ended up being kind of an unremarkable film.
3: <laughs> uh,
0: this could have been a film that was just really fun and enjoyable to watch because of, of because of it, because of it being a home story. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you get to see Holmes doing his thing more often than not, it was either him sort of showing off even to Watson mm-hmm. or someone trying to get him to show off. Mm-hmm. Uh, his 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 skills mm-hmm.
1: the only exciting bit in the movie uh let me rephrase that the only action part of the entire movie is right at the very end, and it's orchestrated because it's not in the original story, of course <laughs> everybody in it is not in the original story <laughs> um, but but it's very very obviously orchestrated in order to have some sort of an action sequence in the movie and some kind of a crescendo at the end Mm -hmm. and even it is really disappointingly resolved
0: yeah yeah this is what it feels like some of those like really dime novel detective stories kind of thing that is
1: exactly it yeah i couldn't think I couldn't think what it was I'd compare it to, but it feels just like a dime dime novel. It's, you know, oh, no, the bad guy's going to kill me. Uh, no, he's not, because I'm... The gun's well, empty. It, yeah, <laughs> and again and here we
0: are we're back in Moriarty's lair I I said he he felt like a one of those movie serial villains yes was exactly how this ending was it was Mm -hmm. like oh no how were
1: our hero escaped yeah Yeah. and then next week next week (laughs) week, it doesn't matter he's just at the top of the cliff he's not hanging off it anymore exactly Uh, yep that's exactly how it sort of wraps up
0: yes yeah so it was very disappointing very (laughs) rushed very disappointing uh I'll even admit that the first time I sat down to watch this film, it couldn't. I couldn't even stay awake. Oh, no.
3: I, I kept falling asleep
0: <laughs> through it. Uh, I, I just realized I was watching it, and then I'd realize, oh, that was a long blink. Oh, no. <laughs> you know, I have no idea what's going on. If,
1: if you're watching it during the daytime, it's not quite that tedious. But mm-hmm. it, it did occur to me as I was kind of writing up my notes for it that it, it, it it's more like a radio play. Um, my husband listens mm. to a lot of those, and so yeah, I've a little I'd... experience with them. You can listen to it as yeah. background while you're doing something else, and it's kind of interesting.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But if I was going to say some of the lines, especially as, as descriptive as sometimes they do, and mm-hmm. oh, where's the elevator? Right here, mm-hmm. with an eighty foot. Tr- I was like, wow. Okay, yes. Keep, yeah. Just keep describing. <laughs> oh, is it behind these silver doors? <laughs> the button to the right. You know. If you
1: press the button, then look. Nothing happens. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah it, it does. It feels a bit like radio play, which is not. It's not out of time period. The 30s, right? Were, no. You know, Right in that era, but if you were to put it on and kind of listen to it as you're doing something else you may find it a little bit more enjoyable than if yeah. you sat down with I, the intention of really watching it
0: yeah I think it the first time I watched it it was fairly late at night and I was like well I've, it's only like an hour it's an, I put an hour <laughs> six minutes or something like that mm-hmm. it's like this will be a quick one to to, to, to watch or you know before I you know pack it in for the night and uh my my <laughs> body it said, in much no, earlier yeah <laughs> this, is, this is a great thing to fall asleep to excellent <laughs> so, so yes i had to uh i had to watch it a little earlier in the <laughs>
1: evening
0: uh, the second time around
1: yeah yeah i i that's i think not mis- misleading at all <laughs>
0: <laughs> so yeah um I don't know if I have really anything else to say on this one. It, it just, yeah, this was a movie, you know, that was made. <laughs>
1: it is, it, it's a little sad. There, There's nothing exceptional in production values. Uh, I have to admit, I, I am a huge fan of horses. I love horses, and I wasn't even excited about the horses in this movie. That says a lot. <laughs> it's... I- uh, <laughs>
0: I, I actually will say it was I, – I did think they did a kind of uh, a impressive rear projection of the horse race. When everyone – they're they're watching the horse race. They weren't at the track. So the horse is racing. Oh. And it, it's just rear projection.
3: That it's just is not in front something
1: – now, when, when Holmes and Watson are driving in the, the car, obviously, of course, you can tell – it's yes. much too quiet and much too steady to have been in an actual vehicle. But mm-hmm. I didn't even think about that at the horse race. So that's actually probably a, a production point in its favor.
0: Yes, it was actually done pretty well. I mean, it, yeah, you can you can spot it. If you're really casually viewing it, You maybe you might not even – maybe you wouldn't jump out. Was, mm-hmm. When I finally was able to watch it with any amount of attention <laughs> – I was like, oh well, they actually did a pretty nice job of that. Yeah, but I think I think they were actually just showing a horse race on a on a wall and having your act the actors stand in front wow, of Wow, interesting. Um,
1: like, I I almost feel like I should watch that clip again. Yeah, no, at first I thought, bothered.
0: "Oh, that's actually a pretty <laughs> impressive composite shot for the for 1937." I thought, mm-hmm. "No, that's probably not composite." That's... <laughs> but so yeah, I I will give them that. But yeah, other than that, um you're talking about production values and stuff. Yeah, even the sets and everything were so unremarkable. You almost get the feeling that even if this had been in color, everything would have been white
1: and gray. <laughs> yeah, including the actors, uh, <laughs> certainly their personalities. I think so. I think. I think it's. It. it, it you know, as I mentioned, I think that they did. Comparatively well for ha- for taking a story that's essentially a fifteen minute little quick do and mm-hmm. trying to make it into an hour and six minute movie, uh, they 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 filled out the time and it wasn't painful, right. <laughs> which sounds like a horrible insult and really it's not. <laughs> uh, it, it, it's one of those things where if if I had. All five of the um, of the Sherlock Holmeses that Arthur Wantner did Wantner mm-hmm. that's hard to say. I think I would be really content to put them all on in a row and just let them pay, play in the background while I was sewing something or right. while I was you know painting or working on something. I think that'd be a great use for them. But to sit down and really pay attention to a movie, it it's not enough to capture your attention.
0: All right, fair enough. So we won't be digging up any of the other films for this show, I guess. Probably
1: not for this show. <laughs> Although if we ran across one and it was just phenomenal, I, this was the last one I think you mentioned, maybe yes, because uh-huh. it just wasn't that good.
3: <laughs> yeah, <But> maybe.
0: <laughs> then I guess we should go ahead and put a, a number on it here. I'm only going to give it a two. Uh, and that's that sounds really low, but it's just... Yeah, it just exists. I mean, mm. I guess you could go as high as a three, but uh, I, yeah, I don't think I'll ever sit down and watch this again or anything. Um, mm. Yeah, I just, my, my, my mind just immediately went to a two. <laughs> well,
1: I, I try to think of it, if I were going to recommend a person on a scale of one to five, if I recommended that they spend an hour of their life watching this film how likely am i to recommend that they do i have to give it a 1 by those okay. by that definition it's not that it's remarkably horrible it's that it's remarkably not good it's bland <laughs> it's, it's very bland. bland it's like well gosh would you rather eat a piece of cake or would you rather eat a straw <laughs> okay well i'm going to say you know now a piece of grass would keep you alive maybe but I'm not going to recommend that you eat it. So right. that's a one. This is a piece of grass. This is a blade of your ass. You know, over yeah, if
0: you're um, <laughs> if you're a Sherlock Holmes aficionado, if you, there are much yeah. better films. If your goal watch. is to
1: watch every Holmes that was ever made, you should watch this. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. If your goal is to watch only the ones that are really captivating, ones? I would give this one a miss. Um, I, I will say that said, the the story, if if you were gonna ask me, gosh, should I watch the movie or read the story, the story will take you probably twenty, thirty minutes to read. Uh so you'll save an a half hour of your lifetime doing that. And I think it really is interesting. You know, again, i I really enjoy Holmes. If you enjoy mysteries, it's worth taking a look at it and reading through and looking at the logic. I think that's fun. But if you're looking for a really good homes to watch, we've mentioned several others, and I think every one of them is a better choice than this one.
2: Okay.
0: Yeah, I think I will definitely go and see if I do have that book that I think I have and, and see if uh, the Silver Blaze is in there and, mm-hmm. and give it a read.
1: You can also find it on Project Gutenberg. Uh, Gutenberg. (laughs) Borg, Borg. You can find it on Project Gutenberg. Actually, I think all of the Sherlock Holmes stories are available on Project Gutenberg because Mm -hmm. obviously they're written in the 1800s. They're well out of copyright. So even though you can go out and buy them in any store, you can also just download them for free.
0: Yeah, excellent. Good. All right. Well, then I guess that is going to do it. Lydia, thank you very much. I'm sorry this did not especially being <laughs> such a, a fan of Sherlock Holmes as you are. I'm sorry this was a, a little bit of a lackluster experiment. For you know,
1: you. it's really it was really fun cuz it let me go back and revisit a lot of the others. I just ah, you know, if you if you have seen I, I I do genuinely think that the Robert Downey Jr. Holmes is very good. I am not just a massive fan of Jude Law, I think he's fine, obviously he's cute, but um, I I really enjoy his Watson. I think he is intelligent and keeps up with Holmes very well, and also Holmes, uh, Robert Downey Jr. as Holmes, I think portrays some of the quirks of Holmes in Doyle's stories, like, you know, for example, the opium stuff. A mm. lot of it is just intended for humor, and that's it's an adaptation. They've modernized him a little bit. Right. Uh, obviously, Sherlock, the series, has won loads of awards, and they're well-deserved. It's absolutely worth watching. I adore Watson in it. Um, why can't I think of his name? It's also the guy that was in Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy a little while ago. Excellent, excellent actor. Uh, also, Frodo Baggins. <laughs> <laughs> Bilbo Baggins, I'm sorry. Uh, Somebody's yelling his name at the radios. that are listening. I know! He's fabulous. I love him. If I ever meet him, I will have to apologize for this. But, (laughs) um... I, I there. I can't think of a of a Sherlock Martin Holmes. Martin Freeman. Martin Freeman. Oh, Martin, I love you. Um, uh, don't tell my husband. <laughs> but any any Sherlock Holmes that's out there, if you haven't been introduced to Sherlock Holmes either in print or by some movie form, go out and and engage with that. You. You may think you know about it because you've heard about it. That's like saying I know all about Star Wars because I've heard about it, and I'm not interested in watching it because it's three hours long. Uh, yeah, you don't know what you're talking about, Gene, at work. So, <laughs> 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 uh, but no, it's worth it's worth engaging in Sherlock Holmes, even if, no matter what it is, if you go out and find something and and just give it a little bit of a dabble, it's worth remembering that Holmes is kind of the originator of all the the mystery books if you've read nancy drew if you've read the hardy boys if you've watched anything midsummer murders or rosemary time oh my gosh guys i totally have the taste of a middle-aged british lady but <laughs> it's worth seeing seeing reading watching a little bit of the history and the inspiration for all yeah, of that absolutely.
0: especially with uh, what what, what did I say? 54 short stories available? <laughs> and, start with something like well, that before,
1: you, before yes. you jump into the
0: novels. Maybe just do some of the short stories.
1: You can start with The Speckled Band, A Study in Scarlet. Um, oh gosh, I wish I had more of them memorized off the top of my head. I'm trying to think the ones that I've read that I absolutely love. The Five Orange Pips is great. It, it, basically, if you Google Arthur Conan Doyle's favorite Holmes stories, read any of those and mm-hmm. you're going to, you'll, you'll, be exposed to a treat. You may not love it the way that I do, but it's part of our cultural history. You won't. You may not realize exactly how much we owe to Sherlock Holmes, but pretty much the hit, the mystery genre in total owes at least something to Sherlock Holmes, without exception. Oh, absolutely, absolutely.
0: All right, well, that is going to do it for us. Lydia, thank you very much for joining me. This has been a blast, as always. Thank
1: you. I'm so happy I got to gush about something I love. I'm so glad. I had no
0: idea. I learned a little something new about you. I had no idea (laughs) you had this Sherlock Holmes, this love of Sherlock Holmes. (laughs) Adventure
1: of the Dancing Men. That's the other one. Great, great story. Do look that one up. (laughs) Excellent. Excellent.
0: All right, everybody. We'll be back in another month with another fun film. Well, We'll be back in another month with a film (laughs) to discuss for you. Until then, thanks very much for listening. Bye, everybody.
2: Bye. Well, it's the most amazing case we've ever solved, Holmes. Elementary, my dear Watson. Elementary.